Hello and welcome back to yet another episode of X Rental, the video shop show that takes you back to the 90s, kicking and screaming, clawing out for help, but no one is there to hear your screams. My name's Brad. This guy is... Ash, how's it going? It's going fan... fine. <laughs> it's going all right. So this is your round this time. This is your your pick, your, yes. your big, your peacock display of your... Well, uh, cinematic tastes so where where do we go Brad? so where do we go um the, the, <laughs> it's a nice precursor um not deliberate not deliberate but not deliberate. I, I i i fished it fished it out from the nether um the issue was that i didn't want to be known as just the horror man i'm just the horror man i talk about the horrors uh so i wanted to do a comedy from the 90s there's a lot of 90s comedies that i have a deep affinity for the one i wanted to do the most i'm gonna save oh for later you know which one it is everyone knows but i'm gonna save that for later another buddy comedy from the 90s i'll save that for later because I was due to rewatch this film. And the film that I've chosen to boogie on down to and to make sure that we definitely get into is A Night at the Roxbury. Released in the UK in March 1999, the same month sees the first Legoland outside of Europe open in California. Uh, the Melissa computer virus infects Microsoft Word and Outlook worldwide. And Ricky Martin's Live in La Vida Loca is released and goes on to sell over 8 million copies. Not streams. Physical bloody units at upwards of one ninety nine a pop. Living the fucking rolling in it. Impressive, Brad, yeah. Brad, it's really yes. important I ask you this. Yes. Why the fuck did you pick this for season one? <laughs> this is fucking awesome. <laughs> this is going to be another one of our arguments, I'm guessing. Maybe. Maybe. Um, I have a very soft spot for dumb buddy comedies. This is a... Just a wonderfully silly, simple film that requires absolutely zero effort from its audience. Um, you know, or, you talk or about... It's, or its makers. Or its makers. To um, to just go on an 80-minute ride with these two absolute fucking buffoons. There's no plot, like, so to speak. Really. I mean, there are. There are, there are things going on. There's um, a, a, a skeleton. There's a uh, very, very thin snake-shaped skeleton there's an emaciated corpse from Seven's plot in A Night at the Roxbury but I think from my perspective I think it's very underseen maybe for good reason um, because I think from certainly a a politics or a gender politics standpoint hasn't aged particularly well Um, I don't think it was great at the time I'll be honest with you I was going to say (laughs) I don't think that I don't think it was acceptable back in ninety eight slash ninety nine. No, <laughs> like but they were they, they were they were tethering onto the the kind of the satirizing club bro club hopping, you know. In a way, they're like the nineties Patrick Batemans, if you ask me, in a slightly very roundabout, fucking, very tenuous way, generous, <laughs> generous, generous way. comparison. I think there's some great performances. It's an all-star comedy cast with, you know, some of the heavy hitters that went on to do big stuff. Will Ferrell, Jennifer Coolidge. Uh, you know, there's some great, more grounded performances from Dan Haydea. I just, I I genuinely really love this film. And there's no reason why I should. And I know I shouldn't. It's like junk food. I know it's bad for me, but I'm quite happy to gorge on it. I truly, deeply and utterly loathed this film, Brad. 
and but like you i very much have a, a soft spot for idiotic comedy especially idiotic saturday night live spin-off comedies so really that's why when you when you said oh let's do this one i was like do you know what i remember watching that when it came out and not really liking it but maybe that was one of those situations where it went over my head i mean i, I gave younger me just nowhere near enough credit evidently uh because i definitely hated it significantly more now you I mean you said it's underseen it actually earned double its budget in the US, which which is incredibly surprising but i mean it's we go we go back to the the, the buddy comedies which is, the 90s was so great for um well i say great there are good versions and then there are bad versions that we still like but dumb and dumber is a very very good comparison because you're supposed to be looking at these two characters and being astonished by how fucking stupid they are, but that you should be able to find some kind of middle ground with them. This is Dumb and Dumber with none of the charm, uh, and it felt actually more in line of with Dumb and Dumber Two, where they made the decision to go, "Oh, we're not only going to make them stupid, we're also going to make them kind of spiteful and fucking assholes." Detestable. As well. Yeah. So in the sense, they're not nice people as well as being stupid. And don't get me wrong. That works sometimes. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is now on, what, season 16? Yeah. That's a, a perfect example of people who are fucking deplorable and stupid, but that's very funny. You're laughing actively at them. This is a one-joke 80-minute parade that showcases none of the star's actual talent, and I say that as someone who can quote the Chris Kattan 2001 flop Corky Romano from memory. I'm so glad it came out in 2001 because I knew that was, that was... Is, this is I hated it so much and I really wanted to like it I wanted it to be one of those ones that I'm like ah, oh, I just didn't you know I wasn't in the right headspace when I watched it way back then but now I'm starting to see all of the, the, the hilarity and no it's one unfunny joke from Saturday Night Live stretched out across 82 whole English minutes and I love it. <laughs> I do. Is this a situation where you accept everything I've said and yet? <laughs> and yet, yeah. It's, it's similar to, you know, films we've discussed in the past where, you know, we're critical of each other's passions, but can respect what they're saying. And I respect what you're saying. I understand it. I see it. But I think we talk about nostalgia, right? And, and how nostalgia is the killer. This is another example of something that I came upon at exactly the right time. And it kind of just connected with me. There is a certain group of films, this Dead Man on Campus, which is on is on my wish list, um, and Biodome, I would say, are like the three where I was like, these are like idiot comedies that are inherently just very funny. To like me, just, just whilst, whilst, just whilst you mentioned Dead Man on Campus, and you might as well just spit it out on air. I think that'd be a quite a cool, a cool one to double to do like a bumper episode and do Dead Man on Campus and Dead Man's Curve in the same episode because those are two wildly different tones for what is the same story, basically. And I love one of them and hate the other one. Oh, really? Okay. I do not like Dead now Man's we, Curve. Now I watched it for the first time a couple of years ago and I hated it. Uh, really hated it. We definitely have to. Oh, I'm a big fan. I was surfing on the wave of uh, post Scream Lillard. Post-screen, uh, post-SLC punk Lillard. See, there is a, there's another person that shares the DNA there, obviously, is Lachlan Monroe. Yes, who, who I did like gentlemen! seeing turned up. There's something about that guy's face. You're like, you're I'd, funny. I'd, ha- I'd hang out with that guy. <laughs> he's, he's so he's great. a lovable oaf in everything. Yeah. My name uh, is Cliff. I, I, I was, yeah. 
I was very, very pleased to see him pop up in it. And, and again, just completely be sidestepped. And I mean, making Will Ferrell the straight guy, as, well, as straight, as much as you can be the straight guy in a Night of the Roxbury, I thought was fucking criminal. Like, Maybe. I mean, we don't know Will Ferrell as we do at, at yeah, no. this is 1999. We've, he does this and Superstar. And then Zoolander's the turning point. The turning in the point cinema, where because he's done Austin Powers by this point as well, right? Mugatti. Of course he has. But even then, Austin Powers, like, yeah, because he's a uh, Mustafa. I, I'm very badly yeah. injured. The, I'm the wound is beginning to smell like almonds. <laughs> Which is a tremendous performance. And that's the warfare all that we all kind of grew to. Some of us grew to love, others grew to absolutely fucking detest. The um, thing is. The thing is, like, Chris Catan is not lovable. He doesn't have a lovable face. He has a rat bastard <laughs> face. Whereas Will Ferrell, bless him, he has got that kind of childlike oafness to him. Yeah. Like, when they're walking down the... <laughs> He's playing Keanu Reeves. He's, he's, yeah. his, this is his attempt at, at what the Keanu Reeves stereotype was at this yeah. to, at this point in yeah. life. The, the dumb... The dumb... The dumb... The dummy. He... Um, the scene where they're walking down the beach in their little black thongs... And Will Ferrell's chest hair looks so weird that for the first six or seven times I saw this, I thought he was sandy. I thought he'd been laying on his, <laughs> he'd been laying on his tummy and just that's hadn't the, patted himself down. That's the first Night of the Roxbury-related laugh I've ha- I've got. <laughs> yeah, and he, took, and he took 48 hours. But he does, he looks like he needs a, a little pat down, but it's just his weird chest hair. Because then later on, they're getting ready with the whole, you know, yeah, up the nose and stuff, and all this. That you're like, oh no, he's not. I thought sandy. that was. I thought that was a coke thing because they're doing. It is a coke thing. It is a coke thing. Okay, right. It's a coke thing. Yeah. Okay. I think it's a coke thing. I mean, it can't be anything else. But no, they're, they're acting like that in the club before talking to everyone, and yeah, yeah. But I think it's an interest for me. From the, the, so the reasons I'm going to try and give it some semblance of credibility, I think it's an interesting look at what masculinity was in the late, mid to late nineties, and what it meant to be a man, and what it meant to, you know, these two are like Andrew Tate acolytes taken from a different era, where they try their best. To the, the, I believe at the heart of both of the, their characters, there is genuine love, maybe for each other, maybe a little bit too much for each other. It's a bit incesty mm, at times, yes. which I thought was odd. <laughs> it's an odd choice, but I think they they both they both desperately need to be loved, much like an incel would be, or any of these fucking you know Joe Rogan esque nutcases. Actually, name check. Donald Trump at one point as well, don't they? <laughs> they do, yeah. <laughs> of course they do. Because they're just two little, like, two boys that have grown up in a position of privilege but never been ha- been privileged with the, the concept of love. And the closest they've ever got to love is the love that they feel for each other. And it's one of these things where it's like, where does, where does this misdirected kind of passion come out? And it comes out in their dress sense it comes out in their dance routines it comes out in their ideas of what women are and what women can be um and yes some of it is incredibly dated in the way that it deals with gender politics and the way that women are used as objects to be pursued or when they're not being pursued they're duplicitous which is going to be a running theme throughout the entire time that this show goes on for 
Um, it, is... it, we, we picked the nineties. It was a very. It was. It was always rife. It's not that long ago, but it was very much a different time. I mean, it is long ago. It was thirty years. Who am I trying yeah. to fucking kid? Um, yeah, I said this, the nineties is littered with films that have aged poorly from a subject matter, but they can post past that on the charm side of things. This isn't and that charming for you. It's so thinly stretched and so devoid of any charm. Like as, as you say, that 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 should be quite sweet. The sense of they 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 can't identify any love except for each other. That should be very very sweet. In the hands of a nineties era Farrelly Brothers, there's a, probably a good film in here. Potentially, yeah. It, not with John Fortenbury. <laughs> no, 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 no. There is very much not, and I believe he's a uh, pretty much. He's done nothing now. Yeah, yeah. He does, he's a jury duty with Paulie Shaw. Do you know what? I don't hate it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't hate I jury hate duty. I don't hate jury duty. <laughs> there's, there a, there's, there's a few of that nineties period Paulie Shaw stuff where I'm like, it's dog shit, but I don't hate it. I hate. I, hate it. I, I, I hated this one. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, and I feel like Catan is. I said my only other frame of reference because I didn't really watch Saturday Night Live around this period of time because we didn't really get it over here. We got the movie spin-offs, but we didn't get the context of a lot of these movie spin-offs, Coneheads, uh, Wayne's World, all that. We didn't they we only really know from the movies. So my only other frame of reference with Catan, Catan is um he would have been a great asshole in better films. But there He's was in no the house on Haunted Hill. Oh, is he? That's yeah, been a hot on... it's been a hot minute since I watched that one. Maybe season two because that's I quite like House on Hoyt Hill. Oh, there you go, little sneaky there. Where would you say? Just speaking of nineties SNL spinoffs, where where does this rank? Because there were a lot of good ones, to be fair. Yeah, you, when when you posed this question to me before we went on air, uh, it's not a really fair question because if it depends on are we saying prior to this or over the whole yeah, ninety to ninety nine, <laughs> right? Because I would argue that I prefer the ladies' man. I really the ladies man. I really <laughs> like it. I think it's so funny. And um obviously McGruber is a big love of both of ours, but they came post significantly later. Yes. <laughs> so the, the I mean the, the logical answer is that Wayne's World is the best by a country mile. Wayne's World one or two. Where what where do you which side of the line do you fall on? Because I'm a two Wayne's I'm a tour. I'm a I'm a one I'm a tour. More Chris Farley. Yeah, well, I mean that's that's your that's your problem, not mine. <laughs> I would probably go Wayne's World, Coneheads, then Wayne's World too. Oh, I do like I do I like Coneheads. I think it's very funny. Coneheads is one I'm looking forward to revisit because uh, it's been a long time since, I, and I feel like that's the kind of that film. I remember liking it, but not loving it. I feel like that's one. If I watch it now, it it will click. It could change. More. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. It, it, I reckon I'd get from that what I was hoping to get from a night at the Roxbury. And I guess yeah, Roxbury far too much credit for. Yeah. See, with with, with something like um, Coneheads, that that I would group into things like Stay Tuned and Nothing But yeah. Trouble. Yeah. Like that kind of early '90s, like weird comedy, like weird high concept comedy or low concept in this sense. Um, so low that intro- it goes all the way back round, back round to being high again. <laughs> High again. So it's such a silly concept that's so geniusly pr- produced. Well, because it, it, it contextually, it was amongst the When Harry Met Sally's, and the, a lot of comedies were, were, hev- were heavily romance based. So it, it did bring the farce back into it. Mm. And that's all, yeah, you, you always count a program, which is why 
the, unfortunately, you can't count the program against fucking generic superhero bullshit because it's too broad. So there's nothing yeah. to counteract it for because you yeah. get everything. You get a romance, you get a comedy, you get horror, all all poorly done in one neat two and a half hour package. Well, those people in there who say, oh, Captain America Winter Soldier, it's not a superhero film. It's a deeply interesting look at deep to the spy, conspiracy. Spy espionage but, thriller, but it's also gay romance. There is a, a lot of mental backflips going on in that community. Gymnastics. But you know what? Gymnastics, whatever, it's, whatever it is, they're fervent. And uh, do you know what? Fair there's play, there's more of them than there are us. Exactly. And also fair play. If you like it, you like it. Just... We'll, 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 we'll lose that, that holy war. Yeah. That one's done. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it's obviously yes. filled with club bangers. Right? Mm. Mm. What's your 90s club banger? Um, encore en foie. Um, Ash, what's your favourite 90s club banger? Entrance, oh. set you free. Absolute to this day, an absolute fucking rage. I was going to say Born Slippy because, yeah. again, as we've discussed in previous episodes, music, film combined, that's where I ended up finding a lot of the music I liked as a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I felt like Underworld was maybe a bit too cool to be a 90s club banger. So I think, I think yeah, Entrance set you free or Strike, you sure do. Level pegging, those two. Level pegging. I would say, though, that you have to admit that the soundtrack of this is pretty good. Oh, it's great. When No Mercy, Where Do You Go came on, I gen- that was the biggest smile I got for the entire film. So I was like, oh, I've not thought about this in ages. Yeah. Do you not even find it funny when he accidentally headbutts a window and breaks it? No. I thought the oh, only part so... that... that from, from a, we've written this to be funny, the yeah. only part that raised an inkling of a smile was when Jennifer Coolidge's character pulls them over and he goes... Oh, that's four months of practice for nothing. That I they got a, a very brief smile. All oh, right, we were, oh, we, we were it was perfect. We yeah, four months. You know, I think it's funny. It was like, uh, you've got a name and her badge number, and you've got a date to meet her in the next month at the municipal court. I almost feel like that. That again, at this time, there's probably a lot of dudes who are taking that as a as a green light. Yeah, <laughs> that is the problem. The funny part of it has. Kind of in the same way that I'm sure we'll discuss with Fight Club, the wrong messages have been taken and have slowly, po- and slowly poisoned otherwise good films and a night at the Roxbury. And people, um, how do you feel about the redemptive ending? Ending, are you happy with it? Are you happy with the way that they Non-goose. found love? Non-goose. They found happy. It was Non-goose. obvious. It was the way it had to be. Yeah, I do it... feel sorry for Molly Shannon, but then she does get Lachlan Monroe, so it swings yeah. roundabouts. She does get muscly Gary Boosie, which is always that's fine. Less cross-eyed muscly Gary yeah. Boosie. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it's just the mouth. He's just got a boosy mouth, doesn't he? Yeah, it's yeah. quite, it's quite. Got but a you know, mouth. Do you know what about the? Do you just grab my ass? <laughs> I mean, that was never funny. Like, <laughs> I feel like it, obviously, if that joke clicks with you then that's probably going to be a main reason why you love this film. I think this is funny. Incessant. It is so, it's so stupid. <laughs> I, I was very much the, 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 the straight guy in the room with every time that joke happened. So I was just like, oh, 
No, I'm on the what other about, side. What of the about table. when when uh, they they have sex for the first time, and like Chris Kattan is so nervous, he's like, "Hey, let's get him in here. We gotta tell him." And he's like perpetually nervous. No, yeah, I, but again, that could be that other films have done that better, and since that I were more at the forefront of my memory of the maybe super bad. I mean, fucking Jonah Hill's character in Superbad is essentially. That. Doing the same sort of yeah, thing. I've yeah, I've done all yeah, this. True. I've done all this shit, but now it comes down to it. I'm terrified. Yeah, well, it's time to nut up or shut up. They yeah. can't hack it. Yeah, and it says, yeah, it's just been done better. I mean, and, I would agree. And by empathetic characters. <laughs> Listen, I've got a soft. I say a soft spot. They're two boys refused love, and they just need, they just need the love of a good person. Not even. I'm not going to gender it. A good person, just to. I kind of do. I do think their relationship is quite sweet. I probably. I just don't think it got to that level for me. That would. That's for me. You know, what I'm like. I'm a right soppy bastard. Mm. If they actually had followed through on that and had any kind that of me- remotely good writing behind it, that could have made up for a lot of the stuff that I had to put up with in this film. That, that I mean, to be fair, right? And a better way, maybe of not I wouldn't say better, but a different way of writing this is that maybe at the end of the film that they just learn that they just need each other, and that's yeah. what that's what really matters. And you know, they find each other. He runs away from the wedding, and then they find the club. And it isn't even about the hotty um, police officer and the uh, card swipe girl, yeah. um, the card approver girl. It's just about those two finding the love for for each other. Yeah. Um, but, but the problem is you, they never really lose it, even when they do have their fallout. Like, they still love each other. Yeah, because the part of the joke has to be, oh, he's only over in the pool house. They're still yeah. technically in the same house still. Yeah, and so he's watching is... him banging the tin. Yeah. <laughs> the swimming pool, he puts the... <laughs> oh, very funny. Good stuff. Well, I'm glad you had a great time. Yeah, I had a wonderful time and revisiting I, I, it. I got to tick something off the list yes it's and, happy, uh, happy to happy to have films it I'll, films i'll show my son when he's old enough yeah this is, how you, this, this is how you fucking through this is how you the bit of paper he's <laughs> like if you're looking at how to deal or talk with women this is the film to watch this is the one broad <laughs> big broad which means that now road. in the future when your son is like going to his prom or whatever and you want to embarrass him you can put this episode on I, I, could like, put, Look, I could put any episode on and embarrass him to be fair. That is true, but this one you'll be like, <laughs> I specifically shouted you out. Yeah. And no, now this... and then he'll learn what a night of the Roxbury is. He'll be curious. He'll say, Who's that strange man, Daddy, that you were talking to? And he'll be like, He's gone away now, son. Early they found death. him. Probably. <laughs> Early death or incarceration. Take your pick. It could be both. It, it could be both. I could die in both. prison, shipped <laughs> in the eye, like Ian Huntley or whatever. Um, <laughs> well it wasn't dark at the start but we ended it we got we there ended it, we ended it consistently we, we got there we got there well ladies and jelly babies i think that's going to wrap up a night of the roxbury there isn't a lot we can say about it if you want to see it check it out it's available in ways and means uh, it's on paramount plus i believe uh in the uk we should really start doing that but also then it feels like in a way because of the streaming wars it's outdated by the time we've recorded because everything tends to be and also it kind of goes against the credos of what this film this is about which is about celebration of physical media not not um you know data it's not french connection edited out 
but yes, if you're interested uh, in keeping up with what we're up to, hit that notification bell. Give us a little like. Write us a comment. What should we, you know, what do you talk about next? What do you want to see? Do you want to see some dance videos? Maybe we want to see us dancing to the song from Night of the Roxbury. Ash will be more than happy to do that. Or you can even come to any of your... I'm going to draw a line now. (laughs) He'll wear whatever you make him wear. He doesn't mind. He doesn't care. Uh, You can find us on Twitter at XRentalYT. Social media-wise for me, you can find everything at HadBranson. And Ash? Well, evidently, based on that, you can find me everywhere because I'm a fucking NPC here for your entertainment. He'll do. Monkey see, monkey do. (laughs) You can find me on Twitter at Ash Diggs Films, uh, Letterbox uh, Ashin35. Beautiful. Until next time, guys, be excellent to each other. Bye.